Welcome back to Always Evolving, where we're always evolving. And there's so much to learn in this life. There's so much to develop infinite possibilities. And our next guest is an expert and has been studying and working with The Voice for his seems like most of his career. He's a legend in this space. If you're really trying to hire someone or work with someone, he's worked with some of the biggest stars and biggest movies and performers. And Roger Love, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for the illustrious intro. How, when people ask you, like you're sitting next to somebody on a plane and they're like, what do you do for a living? What do you say? I say I'm a male model. (laughs) And then they laugh. And then with a straight face, I say, how do you think that makes me feel when you laugh? I do. What do you what do you say when people are curious about what you do? I tell them I'm a voice coach and that I work with speakers and singers. And then my job is to help people figure out what sounds should come out of their mouths so that they end up having the personal life and the business life that they hope for. And when did you start becoming passionate about that subject? I was always passionate about singing when I was, when I was a a small child, I realized that, that singing made me happy whenever I was sad or depressed for any reason, I would sing and I didn't understand all the science behind it, but it would just make me feel better. So I grew up wanting to be and being one of those kids that was just singing all the time. So I wasn't thinking about speaking at all. I felt I was trapped in a musical and I just thought every conversation should be sung. So I grew up singing and loving it, learning instruments. And when I was 13 and a half, I had already decided I was going to be a singer, that voice was going to be my thing. That was my passion. So my, I finally convinced my parents to take me to a voice coach and they did that when I was about 13 and a half. And he was the most famous voice coach in the world by virtue of the fact that he already had all the biggest stars in the world. He was teaching everyone from Frank Sinatra to Barbara Streisand to Madonna to all the biggest stars back in the day. And he took me on as a student and I loved it. I loved studying voice. But again, I was just thinking about I'm going to be a singer. And at 16, he suddenly left to go to Canada to teach a master class. And he asked me to come over after school and teach some lessons. And I said, that sounds very challenging based on the fact that I have no idea how to teach. I'm just a student. And he said, oh, don't let that worry you. I'm going to pay you $100 an hour. And I said, suddenly I wasn't worried and I'll see you on Monday after school. So I show up literally on Monday, never having taught a lesson in my life. And my first student was Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. And then super group and super artist, one after the other, from Luther Vandross to Stevie Wonder to you name it. And for six months, I faked it and just pretended I was a voice coach. Six months later, when he came back, all of his students wanted to stay with me because we'd actually found that I did have an ability to listen to the way people sound and make them sound even better, even if they already started at great. But what, um, you were 16 years old yeah. when you were becoming the, a voice coach. And then 
Was there any part of you though that was like, God, I wish I was out there singing and being the star or was it an immediate like, oh, now I'm passionate about teaching? I'm passionate about teaching, but I never gave up singing at all because I was singing more. I was working with the biggest artists in the world and I was in the studio with them because not only was I teaching them technique, I would go to the studio and actually vocal produce their vocals. And then a lot of them, we needed background singing. So I started singing on all the records that I was doing. I put myself in as the singer and I, I didn't, I didn't miss anything. I, I, I'd, I've done more singing in my life as a voice coach than I think I would have ever done if I would have just been a solo singer. Wow. And it sounds like you get to focus strictly on singing and vocals, whereas if you were a performer, you would need to focus on 10,000 other things in today's market in order to be a brand or what have you. Yeah. Um, you know, I really only I only taught singers for 17 years and then speakers started coming to me. Is your opinion, and, and singing is, I mean, it's really like someone's opinion of what sounds good and what someone believes doesn't sound good, right? Yeah. But are some people, you know, you see people go on these reality shows and they want to be the next, you know, American Idol or X Factor or what have you. Yeah. Why are people so delusional <laughs> about their voices? <laughs> That's a good question. Everyone's voice sounds different. So in this world that we have, it's okay to sound like Joe Cocker uh, and have all this gravel or Louis Capaldi and have all this gravel in your voice. And it's okay to sound like you're a, 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 an angel in a choir. So there's, there's, there's all kinds of singing. So that helps those people that sound a little less perfect than opera singers. Mm -hmm. And there's all types of music and rock and roll requires a certain emotion sound that isn't about perfection and other types of music require more range or less range. So the good news is you can be passionate about singing and you can be passionate about creating music and making music. And it's not about always having the most perfect voice. It's a lot of times about having a character voice or a voice that is full of emotion that makes other people feel things when they hear you. So based upon hearing my voice, and I've never been to a voice coach in my life, if I were to be a singer, where, where, where would I go? Like, what would you say to me? I'm like, listen, Roger, I, I'm destined to sing. You know, like I, I want to sing. I'm going to be singing. What would you do with me? I'd have you sing me little bits of your favorite songs. I'd say, what do you like to listen to? And you'd say, well, I like country. And I'd say, okay, sing me your favorite country song. Or you'd say, I like death metal rock and roll. I'm like, okay, yeah. sing me some death metal. Give me a little bit. And I'd, I'd listen to what you love. And I'd listen to you singing what you love. And then I'd start to make some assessments. How does it sound right now? Does it sound believable? Are you, are you hitting the notes? Does it sound uh, real, authentic? Are you not hitting the notes? Is this what the, the, the great singers in that genre sound like? And here's what you sound like. Do, but I do you think, think I sometimes could... people could love an, an artist, but their voice is not destined to be anywhere near the artist that they love? Of course. I think that being a great singer requires nature and nurture. 
So you're born with an instrument. We're all born with an instrument. Sometimes the instruments that some of us are born with are literally better than the instruments that other people are, are born with. That's human nature. Some people are born with larger noses or smaller noses or wider lips or big eyes or small eyes or a giant cheek. That, that there's a lot of physicality at play and everything that the sound touches in your throat and your nasal cavity and, and the shape of your tongue and the size of your jaw, all of that influences. So you're born with a particular instrument. Now, you could either become a good singer or speaker with that instrument by focusing on loving to sing or loving to speak and being a, a, a speaker. Or you could pay no attention to that instrument and it just sits in your throat like the Steinway piano that your grandmother gave you that sits in your foyer and you just use it to hold picture frames or you can decide to learn how to use the instrument. So, so great singers are born and then they are nurtured to become great. You have to have both or you never end up great. And, and people who end up smoking cigarettes and, and kind of the voice just changes because you're putting different tar or tobacco inside of your instrument. And so over time, the instrument changes, right? Yes. The health of your voice is about the moisture content. How much moisture do you have in your throat? Because if you don't have any moisture in your throat, the vocal cords get dry. And when they try to bounce up off of each other, they get red and puffy and swollen and you lose your voice and you get hoarse and you have problems. So, so eating and drinking is important because you're trying to keep your vocal cords healthy and moist. So what you eat or drink can make your vocal cords better or worse, which can make you sound better or worse, which can make you sound like you're older and you're not in shape. But, uh, but not always. Some people can drink alcohol and eat a cheese pizza and, uh, and go out and sing or speak great. And some people are more susceptible to those things that they eat and they drink and they affect their voices more. All right, so I, 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 and we won't take long on this, but just a little bit. So I wanna sing a Bob Marley song. Okay. So I've never sang before in my life, but I do love Bob Marley. Okay. <laughs> okay, and so we should choose. So do you know much about Bob Marley, like his music? I know the name and I've heard some songs. Okay. I don't consider myself a Bob Marley expert, but I think I, no, it's okay. I think it's, I know enough to judge your Bob, Bob Marley. Yeah. To judge my Bob Marley. So, um, I could just choose a line, right? Like, so, I mean, we could do redemption song or three yeah, little do, birds. Do that one, do, do that one and do more than okay. one line, do a few lines. So it's one love, one heart. Let's join together and, and feel, feel all right. So I'm just supposed to sing with no like thing in my head. Just start off with you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Goes. I can play, I can play for, I can company if you like. Oh, wow. You know how to play this song? One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel all right. Something like that. Ooh. Oh, I like where you took it too. We got we got a little soul in there, right? One love, one heart. Let's join together and feel alright. 
Okay, awesome. Now let's go a little lower. One love. We'll start here. One love. One heart. Let's join together and feel alright. Do it again. Okay, can I ask you one more question while we're doing it? Yeah. Now, am I supposed to have resting bitch face? Am I supposed to exude the emotion? Do you find that anything that you like put out? Because, you know, some people are ugly singers, I've noticed. <laughs> anything that helps it, like feeling it or... Do, do whatever you feel. I'm not I'm not judging you on the choreography okay. and the facial expressions. Okay, cool. ju- the first level is just... Singing. You, asked, let me, you asked me to give you a, an idea of of you as a singer. I love it. Do it one more time for me. Okay. One love, one heart. Let's join together and feel alright. Okay. Awesome. Now you want to tell you about your singing? Yes, please. Okay. Okay. Here's here's the good things. You okay. like to sing. You you might be uh, shy about showcasing your singing, but you love to sing. I can see that. You you were you were fully into it. I didn't ha- even have to ask you to act it out, move your head. Your whole body started to move. Your head went back and forth. Your 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 eyes glossed over with a little bit of ecstasy, <laughs> and you and and you smiled and you were into it. It wasn't like pulling teeth. Mm. So you 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 enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. Second, you hit most of the notes, which means, let me say that again, you were on pitch on a lot of mm. notes. You didn't do this. The notes supposed to be one love, and you, and you didn't go like this. One love, one You know you didn't do that. So I'd say yeah. about 85% of the notes, you were on. So it was supposed to be. And you hit it. One love. Also, you didn't, you even added a little, a little bit of, you added a little riff in there. You, you, you added a little embellishment. You said, let's, let's get together and feel all. Like you tried to make it a, you, you tried to actually, they say, here's the notes. And, and it's, it's not really about singing on the notes. It's what do you do in between the notes? How do you go from what you had a little couple of slippy slideys, a little run. You, you connected some of the notes together. So here is someone, you, that when the windows are closed or when the windows are not closed because you don't care, you are someone who likes to sing in the car. You do have a record collection. You think music is a part of your life. So you've spent yes. some time singing in your in your life. And I hear that. Okay. So now do you have all the range in the world? Can you go up as high as you want? Can you sing along Freddie Mercury songs? Not as easy, right? Mm. But the bottom line is you you actually have a voice. You haven't developed any kind of style with it that makes you sound unique. And you haven't really perfected it to sounding beautiful when you want it to sound beautiful. But you have a voice and you have a good ear and you could learn to sing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know why what popped in my head. And it could, I think it's what's been holding me back, Roger, is I remember having to go to church growing up. And I remember this one woman who is not that friendly. Um, but when when the music came on and they started singing, all of a sudden she was so soft. She thought she had the best voice in the church. 
And um, I just remember, God, she's really trying hard to sing. Like, like she's really forcing it. She could be a little more subtle. So I think in my head, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, you're either really good or you're kind of forcing it. You know, like, I think what this taught me is I can sing. It takes practice. But also, the thing is, uh, it's like anything. Like, I, I do jujitsu and I do, uh, I just learned how to knit. It, the interesting wow. thing is it's not like I'm comparing my knitting or my jujitsu. I'm showing up and being the best version of myself. And what you're saying is with your voice, the voice that you have, although you could work on it, it's really just about improvement because I think it's very easy. And I imagine a lot of singers that you work with, you really have to wipe, wipe the slate around, you know, oh, I want to sing like, Adele or I want to sing like Lady Gaga or whatever instead of going no let's sing you let's sing the way you're supposed to sing and the way that you want your voice to go right yes yes and no I love everything you said and I agree with you but actually with you or someone that does come to me that hasn't developed their own style yet I like them saying, I really like the sound of Adele, or I really like the sound of Celine Dion, or I really like the sound of Christina Aguilera. Because here's where you're at right now. You have a speaking voice and you're used to the way that it sounds. So you sing kind of, you talk like this a little bit. You have a little bit of an accent. It has a little bit of a nasal in it. It has a little Who edge. I do? Like, yeah. Yeah, you, you have oh, a little bit of this sound in there where you kind of go wide with the corners of your mouth. You have a little of this. So when you go to sing, your regionalism comes in. So you didn't sound like Bob Marley, but you you kind of did this. So here's the tones that you You use. sound like my Jewish relatives. <laughs> well, I'm I'm exaggerating it. But but watch the difference. If I go like this, one, two, three, four, and I kind of go wide with the corners of my mouth, there's an mm. edge to it. And if I go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it's bassier and more round. So you have a little bit more of this in there. So when you went to sing, you you only know the sounds you know. So when you did Bob Marley, you added your speaking voice. So what I would have you do is I would actually have you listen to singers that you love and mm. imitate their voices to yeah. find sounds that you don't make to move away from the regionalisms and the accents that you have and the way that you form words and to learn how they do it. When are they airy? When are they edgy? When are they bassy? When are they trebly? When are they high? When are they low? So right. I have to basically add to your library of sounds. And then what happens is I'd say, okay, we're gonna work on, this week you're gonna learn to sound like Freddie Mercury and we're gonna work on it. And you're gonna, you're gonna realize how Freddie Mercury makes those sounds. And then a week after that, we're gonna say, now we're gonna work on Frank Sinatra. And we're gonna study the difference between the way Frank Sinatra sounds as Freddie. And we do that six times, 10 times. And at the end, you actually have learned how to make a lot of sounds that you don't normally think to make. So your library is full of other sounds. And then when we're trying to create how you should really sound, you have more things to choose from. So if you told me, Roger, I wanna be a, a great chef. And I say, open up your cupboard. And we say, and we see what you have in your cupboard. All you have is salt, pepper, and tomato. And, and, and you say, Roger, why don't we cook Italian? I've got salt, pepper, and tomato. Let's cook that. And I say, hey, why don't we get some more ingredients? 
And then why don't we try cooking Italian one day? And why don't we try cooking French one day? And why don't we try to cook general American? So, so it's about learning that you can make all kinds of sounds, not just the ones you've already, you've already grown up with. Yeah, that that's super helpful. And you know, I'd heard of you too. You actually coached my brother. Tell me. Yeah, can you guess who my brother is? You did you coached him. I think I'm almost sure I heard your name from him as I'm talking to you. I'm like, he may have coached my brother, but I'm very different. Very What's different. Your, what was your brother's name? David Bear. Oh, of course. I know David. That's my brother. Yes, I love David. Well, D- David, because we talked about it. I don't only work with singers anymore. Yeah. 17 years after only working with speakers, I started taking, uh, only working with singers, I started taking speakers. David is a, is a fantastic motivational thought leader speaker and uh, fantastic, you know, uh, I, I think he's, uh, he does a great job. He has great voice and he has great message and great content. So I, I of course I, teach your brother. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Because Lisa Clark, who's a friend of mine, she's like, oh, you got to have Roger on. And then I was like, I love Roger. Lisa and too. then I'm like, and then I was like, yeah, Lisa's amazing. And then I was like, yeah. And I think he coached my brother. My brother had an amazing experience. And, and I want to ask you, because I also have, I now speak and I know a lot of the listeners, uh, maybe they have to speak at a Zoom event now. Or some of them, like I just spoke for my team this morning. I own a treatment center. And what is speaking for other people or groups? We don't really think about it. We don't think about like using our voice in different ways. We kind of just are on autopilot. So like, what is the process to become a great speaker speaker that really uses their voice in a uh, more intentional way? Okay, great question. Here's the first thing, if you want to be a great speaker, you take it off of autopilot. Because the truth is, most people are not good speakers. Because we have learned to become a world that speaks from word to word, Ugh, instead, of, instead of from emotion to emotion. And mm. words by themselves don't have any emotion. So let me give you an example. And at the end of this, I'm going to ask you to tell me how I feel about my wife and how I feel about chocolate. I love my wife. I hate my wife. I love chocolate. I hate chocolate. How do I feel about my wife or chocolate? You don't know. No, you're you like to tell. tell her beige. You're beige. I'm beige. So that's how we learn to speak. All of a sudden, we speak with words, thinking if we had the right words, that we'd be emotional and people would feel things and they'd remember what they said and they'd take action on what we said. But it's not the case. The brain processes spoken information for emotion first and then logic. So if I say, I really want you to meet my brother, he's fun, David, you got to meet him. My brain says like, you have a brother? I already forgot him. Or if I say, I want you to meet my brother, David, you'll love him. Then my brain says like, yeah, let's set up lunch, the, th- the three of us. So most people are speaking with no emotion, no, no musicality at all in their speaking voice. I literally, my job is to put the emotion back into people's speaking voices so that when they speak, people listen and they feel things and they remember. 
Mike, do you know that the average attention span, the average human uh, human attention span, you know how how many seconds is it, do you think? A second? <laughs> We're not that far off. That bad oh. yet. 8 seconds, but that's eight still okay. bad enough. 8 seconds. That means you're talking to someone and every 8 seconds you've basically have the potential of losing their attention, them not caring about what you're going to say, and them thinking about picking up a glass or their phone or walking away or turning the channel every eight seconds. So knowing that people's attention span is so short and knowing that people processes spoken language for emotion, you got to up the game. You got to do the same thing that I taught my singers. I taught them that there are melodies You're supposed to go up and down and some melodies make people feel happy and some melodies make people feel sad. And there are, there are pace, there, there are rhythms. Sometimes you speak fast and sometimes you should speak low and sometimes you should speak loud and sometimes you should speak soft and sometimes you speak high and sometimes you should speak low. When, when my students are speaking, it's like they're speaking your favorite song and you feel something and you listen and you are attentive to them and you remember them and you are moved by them emotionally. That's that's what being human is all about. Do we really want to get to what's next in the in the world? Humans have lost their ability to speak emotionally and we've trained our machines to speak unemotionally. So robots, AI will speak unemotionally and humans will speak unemotionally. And then where's the humanity in that? Yeah, I, I, so I just went to my, uh, as I mentioned, I, I have a treatment center and I spoke to the therapist and the team today. And the talk that I gave was about have a seat at the table. Like mm-hmm. your professional and our profession, people are taught like you kind of play small, but I'm like, no, you don't get, you're not going to be speaking at a conference on a topic you're passionate about. You're not going to be pulled into a research project. Like, it's kind of the context, right? Like, don't you don't need to play small. Right. But for me, I I can go on a tangent. And I know this about myself. And and it's also how sometimes in the moment I'm like figuring out where to go with it. I sometimes struggle with like, how do I open something up with my voice? Like the first, you know, I always hear like, you know, how Dr. Phil even says to me, he's like, you know, the first few minutes that you meet someone, that's the time when you just want to make them feel comfortable. I'll often just come in like a bull in a china shop, right? Like I'll just, and I'm working on that. But in terms of voice, do you have any tips for when you're wanting to start a conversation where people are listening to you? Not, you know, just because we're all in this world now on Zoom, people are listening to you. Great. And the attention span not sure what the research shows. It may even be shorter over Zoom. Yeah, probably is. Okay, Dr. Right. Phil, Dr. Phil's right, but let me be even more specific. In the first few seconds that you speak to someone, you don't just want to make them feel comfortable. You want to make them feel anything just to feel something. Because most people, when they at the beginning of conversations, they're just like this. You're at the dry cleaner and you're talking to somebody that you haven't seen in a while and, you, and it sounds like this. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Fine. Wife? Alive. Kids? Alive. Good. Later. Later. There's, you feel nothing. Yeah. You feel nothing. Words on a blank paper. Here's how to make the beginning of every conversation that you start valuable 
to both parties how to grab the other person's attention, how to make them want to listen to you more, make them like you more, and be interested in what you're going to say next. Listen, First thing. Um, you're, you're summoning me. I, I see myself floating across the room ready for this. First thing, you are supposed to sound happy uh -huh. and grateful when you start a conversation. You're, you're supposed to sound happy. Because when you start a conversation with someone, if you start sad, my name is Roger Love. It's my birthday. Yeah. I didn't get any presents. Then immediately they're like, oh, why would I want to talk to anyone who's sad? I, I have enough of my, my own worries and problems. The first way to meet anyone in any conversation, no matter what the situation is, is showcase that you are happy. How do you showcase that you're happy? I mentioned the word melody a few minutes ago. Mm. Melodies happen when you speak. So you're either going from a low note to a high note, which is called an ascending melody. I really love my wife. I love chocolate. I love you, Mike. You're, that's an ascending melody. That makes you sound happy. Or you're using descending melodies. Today is Friday. The weekend is so short. I'm going from high to low. Most people speak from high to low. So when you start to talk, you immediately sound sad. We were taught to go down at commas and go down at periods. And that's how we learned melody. But that makes mm. us sound depressed. So stop using descending melodies. When you speak to someone, use ascending melodies. The notes that go from low to high. You don't have to be a singer for this. How are you today? This is fantastic. I'm so happy we met. It's great to see you. I sound happy. Ascending melodies. As soon as you've established happy, here's what the other person is thinking. Roger's happy. I wonder why Roger's happy. I think I need to talk to him more to find out. And then I'm also thinking, Roger sounds happier than me. Maybe I should be happier. How come I'm not happy? I again need to spend more time hanging with Roger. Find out what he's so happy about. Maybe I could be happier. Start with happy. Mm. It's a win-win. Ascending melodies. And how do you, well, some would go, you know, like, how can they authentically, let's say they're not in a good mood, but they need to turn it on in that moment. I remember I gave a talk once and I was practically crying before because I was so overwhelmed with all this other stuff I had going on and I was so stressed out. I didn't even want to do the talk. I was like, I tried every ritual, you know, meditated looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, I don't even want to do that. And they're paying me a lot of money. I was like, I don't want to do this. And, and I, I pulled out of it somehow at the last second, but do you have any tips? Cause I imagine a lot of what you've worked with is you got to turn on. Yeah. If a singer felt as much heartache that was in a sad song, then mm. their throat would close up. They'd cry and they'd never be able to sing. A great actor is not trying to feel things. A great actor is trying to make the audience feel things. Mm. So the bottom line is, it is your job as a speaker to flip the switch and move into whatever emotions you need to, to make other people feel things. I say that your voice is not for you. Your voice isn't for you. If your voice was for you, you, you would have ears on your hands and you'd talk like this, but your ears are over here. So sound goes this way. So your voice is for somebody over there. Your ears can't hear you. Your ears are here. So sound is 
and your mouth and everything is for other people. You're supposed to learn how to use your voice so that other people feel things. Mm. If, if you want to talk to yourself, close your mouth. Don't make any sound. Cry all you want. Feel all you want. But when it's time to speak to someone else, it's what do they need to hear? It is totally authentic. Here's the other thing. Let's but when say singers you, cry, like when you see, you can see a singer sing a sad song and they cry, you're saying it's a show. It's a show. They're not really that moved by it. They cry easy. Because if they were really that moved, their throat and would people, close And up. the irony, the irony with the consumers, they're like, oh my God, they're so honest. And I'm like, they're singing a song, for God's sake. Yeah. People yeah, are just, so naive thinking that someone is honest because they're singing. You see it too, right? I've worked yeah, with course. a lot of talent. And I'm of like, course. they're out singing something. They don't even feel that way. Yeah. Like they're in a different spot. Look, I work with some of the greatest actors in the world. My students are Bradley Cooper and Kira Knightley and Jeff Bridges and Reese Witherspoon and uh, fantastic actors and actresses. And uh, and they they their job, like I said, they're it's not to feel. Their job is to showcase so that you feel. But the bottom line is, I make sure that my speakers are authentic all the time because we all have different sides of ourselves. Right. Let's say, let's say you're not feeling well that day. You're sad, okay? You can either make the sounds of sadness and give into it, and then nobody's the better off, especially you. Yeah. Or you can make sounds that are more happier. And here's what happens. When you make the sounds of happy and the sounds of grateful, and when you sound stronger, your brain hears you, and it says, well, maybe you're not dying today, Roger. Maybe you do have a little bit more energy. So, right. so let's say I'm on the third day of a live event and there's a thousand people that have just spent three days with me, okay, like your brother David, and we're doing a live event. It's six o'clock at night on the third night. I've been on stage myself for three solid days and nights. I'm exhausted. So what am I going to do? Am I going to slump my shoulders over? Am I going to speak softly because my throat hurts? No, I'm going to stand up tall, chest up, shoulders back and down. I'm going to take big breaths. I'm going to create more volume. And then my brain's going to hear myself and it's going to say, well, I guess there's a little bit more coal that we can throw in the locomotion engine. You still got a little left in you. And it, and it's, and it creates energy. I use voice to get me to the place that I should feel, not to necessarily start from the place that I feel. So I have some of the do's. What are some of the big don'ts that I'm sure you see that people do where you're like, oh, that's a don't, it's not, it's not working. What are those besides presenting as sad, right? But Great. like- here's some, here's some huge don'ts. Okay. Don'ts. Speak with a squeaky hinge vocal fry. This is, happens all the time. People talk like this. This is called a vocal fry. You've heard it. You, most people do it at the ends of sentences when they run out of air and they still think they've got to get a few more words out. So stay away from vocal fry. That's one thing. Because vocal oh fry really, who's like this. it's not sexy at all. It's no. just bad for the chords. Here's, the, here's another don't. Stop thinking that more air means that you care more. You sounding airy 
is the worst thing you can do for your voice because air immediately dries up all the moisture on your cords like like you swallowed a blow dryer that was still on. But I Speaking, want them to care about what I'm saying. So then you have you have moments of more air, but you don't you don't get locked into it because you will trash your voice. You don't want to sound airy and whispery because you don't sound sexy. You just sound weak and powerless and you don't want to sound vocal fry. Second thing, you need to stop holding your breath while you're speaking. Most people speak and sing while they're holding their breath. So they might take a big breath and then they go to speak and then they're talking and they don't realize they're holding their breath. Well, how do I know if they're holding their breath? When you speak, your stomach is supposed to be coming in the whole time like an accordion. You're supposed to breathe. Your tummy comes forward. That's called diaphragmatic breathing. And then the whole time you're speaking, your stomach is supposed to be coming in, in, in slowly like a balloon deflating. 95% of the people in the world, when they speak, their stomach is totally stationary. Check this out. I'm going to start to count with my stomach tight and not moving. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now I'm going to let my stomach come in. One, two, three, four, five, six. Has more air. And then all of a sudden my stomach stops and I'm, I sound like a, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get air through a, a straw that, that I'm holding in the middle of the straw. We need to learn to stop holding our breaths when we speak. Only speak while your stomach is coming in. Here's another don't. Stop speaking in monotone like you're one note on the piano. I'm only one note on the piano. This is the note I was born with and I just keep hitting the same note and I wonder why people get so bored with me. You have to not speak in monotone. You have to have a bunch of notes. You have to pretend that you, you can go a little higher and you can go a little lower. You have to think I'm a piano, even a little piano. But most people just stay on one note the whole time, monotone. When they get really excited, maybe they'll go to another note, they'll go, oh, and then they'll come back to this note. Those are some don'ts. Mm. Have that, That's super helpful. Have you ever had someone that you thought, oh, I just can't do anything here. Like this is beyond no return. Have you ever had that situation? No. <laughs> I had somebody that I worked. I had someone that I've had people that a classic, the classic example of that is this guy came to me and he wanted to be a singer and he was a really good actor. And I worked with him for six months. And at the end of six months, I just couldn't get him to be a great singer. And I went to him and I said, I can't do it. I've tried and you've tried, but I'd, I don't want to take your money anymore. I can't take your money. I don't think I can make you the kind of singer you need to be. And he said, Roger, can you just give me one more month? Can you give me one more month? And I said, what's going to change in one month? He goes, I just know something's going to change in one month. Can you give me one more month? A month later, he was starring on Broadway as the lead singing and acting. And wow. here's what changed during that month. I realized that he was never going to be the greatest singer, but he was a great actor. So I started working on his singing voice more from an acting side. Right. Thinking Rex Harrison did it in My Fair Lady. Everybody doesn't have to sound like an opera singer. And he wanted to be a musical theater star. So I put more acting in, less voice, and I taught him to sing like more acting and less singing. And he was starring on Broadway a, a month later. Or it was ca at least cast That's as awesome. the lead on Broadway. Have you, <laughs> this, I'm just, this is another unusual question probably, but 
Have you ever been coaching someone and they get passive aggressive with their voice? Like where you're trying to get them to do something, do people get pushed to the point where they're just like frustrated and they just start coming back at you with like passive aggressiveness? All the time, all the time. Really? Yeah, look, your voice, we're very personal about our own voices. And so, so I say that the voice is the new windows to the soul. It used to be your eyes, now it's your voice. You wanna know how people really feel, what they really think? Listen to the sounds of their voice. It's all truthful there. So people are very sensitive about using their voice. I mean, come on. The number one fear in America, most of the world actually, is public speaking. Fear of public speaking is the number one fear in the world. Why do people, so many people, not like their voice when they hear it back? Like, what is that? Because they don't record their voice on a regular basis, so they know what it sounds like coming back. It's a surprise to them. When you speak... The way you hear yourself is mostly through bone vibration. So the sound, while it's being produced inside of your body, vibrates inside your bones. And it oh, sort wow. of makes you, makes you feel like there's a sound going on, but it's just a vibration. But you don't know what sound actually sounds like because like I said, as soon as you make it, it goes away from you. And sound traveling away from you sounds different than sounds coming towards you. So here's the biggest do instead of don't do. The biggest do is to start regularly recording yourself on your smartphone. Take out your smartphone and record yourself talking about lunch or breakfast or something fun that you plan on doing. And then listen back and say, oh... Do I have that squeaky hinge Roger said all the time? It sounds like that. That's bad. Am I holding my breath like Roger said all the time? Oh my gosh, that's bad. I got to let my stomach come in. Wow. Am I doing monotone like I'm just one note on a piano like Roger said not to do? Wow. I got to do that. I got to change that. Am I whispering all the time? Because Roger said that 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 doesn't really sound as sexy as I thought. Am I whispering all the time? And you listen back and then you say, okay, I'm going to try it again. This time I'm not going to hold my breath. Ah, Oh, I sound a little better. I'm going to try it again. This time I'm going to actually have more than one note. I'm going to go up a little bit. I'm going to go down a little bit. Roger said I sounded sad because I kept going down. Everything kept going down. I'm going to try going up. I recorded myself. Roger knows what he's talking about. Sounds better. Well, Roger, I mean, we're all out of time, but, and I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure meeting you. But before we wrap, uh, There's some exciting news to share. We worked with Roger, for all you listeners, to put together something really special for you. So, Roger, do you want to share some good news? Uh, Look, uh, I I absolutely love being the delivery person for good news. And the fact is I came today because I want to help people use their voices to achieve whatever they decide is their next level of success, personally and professionally. So if you're listening and you want to speak or you want to sing, if this interview has somehow inspired you to do either or both, here's what we did for you. There's a $50 gift certificate waiting for you right now on rogerlove.com forward slash evolve, E-V-O-L-V-E, rogerlove.com forward slash evolve. Just go there. And type it in and put in the code and you're going to claim your gift certificate for $50 off. And you're going to be able to use it to get your hands on any program that you like of mine. And my programs are very, very cost effective. And let's say you want to learn how to sing. There's programs to learn how to sing online. And you want to learn how to speak. Great. There's both. You can, you can 
use it to learn how to speak better, learn, learn how to sing better, both. $50 is waiting for you and I'm excited. Look, I know if if you're like Mike and I, you're a learner. There's a reason that Mike is learning to knit. He's a mm-hmm. learner. He does n- nothing's off the table. It's about growing and always exploring new things. And I don't want I don't want you to have to choose. So go there, learn how to sing, learn how to speak, do both. Rogerlove.com forward slash evolve. And, and, and that's everyone, you know, a lot of you hit me up. Some of you are singers and some of you are starting businesses and Rogers programs will help you. If you're like learning how, how should you do that pitch because you're selling a product? How do you show up in that conversation? So you seem confident in that job interview, you know, how do you show up in your life and really it's taking your voice to the next level and Roger love, thank you for coming on always evolving and uh, I hope at some point I have a free group on Tuesdays, an empowerment group. We have Singer doing this Tuesday. But at one of these Tuesdays, if you're ever down and want to jam a song for our opening of the group, I would love to have you. <laughs> okay, awesome. We'll do a duet. Oh, oh my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> well, thank you, Roger. <laughs> okay, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. So that is Roger Love, and I certainly learned a lot. And I hope you did too. Make sure to text me. Also tag me on Instagram if you checked out this episode. Let me know what you thought. Maybe even make a video with your voice and be like, Coach Mike, this is my voice. Or you could sing the Bob Marley song, but tag me on Instagram. You can also shoot me a text at 310-984-1858. We'll talk soon. Keep it magical. Bye for now. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.